This is the Witch's Diagnostic Podcast, and I'm your host, Dawn Dancing Otter. This is Season 2, Breaking the Spells. Welcome to the conversation. This recording is taking place on Lekwungen traditional territory. These are the traditional homelands of what are known now as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. This is unceded and stolen land, and I am a settler. And my hope is that I continue to learn, to grow, and to do my best to walk in a good way on these lands. Welcome to The Witch's Diagnostic. I'm your host, Dawn Dancing Otter, and today I'm in conversation with my very good friend, Mahada Thomas. Hi, Mahada. Hi, Dawn. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and feel very honored to be asked to be here with you. I have wanted to talk to you on this podcast for the longest time, and I'm really excited that you're here. And we'll start with you telling our listeners about your journey and in this world and how you you walk and, and what you're passionate about. Okay, that's a really good question. Um, the journey of life. I remember being in grade two and walking down the aisle of the class and just being hit with this question, who am I? And I just had this awareness um, in me about, yeah, all this stuff is happening and I'm doing all these things and this is what my experience in life is, but who am I really? And that was probably the beginning of some of my uh, insights that I would start to have in my life. And I guess I would say that I've been on a spiritual journey for my whole life. I've been on a personal healing journey for the last, geez, it's uh, last at least 25 years. Um, and what that has done for me or how I, that's, I'm expressing that my healing journey is I have through healing myself and being a chronic pain warrior, I have found myself to be a healing artist, uh, discovered the writer and the singer in myself, discovered the dancer. I'm a spirit dancer. I'd say I was a line walker and earth keeper. And what I mean by that is someone who who walks the line between the light and the dark and has learned how to embrace my my shadow side as well as uh, the light that I hold within. Um, I'm a spiritual teacher and a Reiki master. I'm an empath, a highly sensitive person and I guess in a nutshell, often I call myself a rainbow warrior or a rainbow snake warrior. And what I mean by that is somebody who has walked the walk and really gone inside to the depths of myself. And I really enjoy the insights, the learnings, the teachings, the growth, the evolution that's happened. And one of my biggest passions is to share that with people, to inspire other people on their healing journeys or to open the door for people, to open the door to spirit for people. Um, 
And those are some of the things that I would say to describe myself and, and my journey here so far. It's a journey of evolution. Wonderful. I believe we have known each other now for 30 years this year, um, which seems kind of hard to grasp, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's um, a long and time. I think it, definitely. It was before either one of us were kind of involved in anything that we're involved in now, really. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I think it's cool to bear witness to all the beautiful changes that uh, that we've both been through in, mm -hmm. in the last few decades. Um, I wanted to ask you about Reiki because I know that is uh, a big way in which you have engaged healing in this world. And I, I'd love to hear more about how you came to experience Reiki in the beginning and, and the unfolding of that journey in your world. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love Reiki. It's one of my biggest passions. Um, what's funny about my journey with Reiki is that I was first introduced to it as a teenager. My mom was a Reiki master and she was also another, she did other modalities like Traeger and cranial sacral work. And I've always had a lot of body work done as a child. And I remember being a teenager and being on her massage table and I loved the Traeger. I loved the physicality of it. You know, I wanted to feel the touch and feel the movement. And then she would stop doing Traeger and she would just start doing Reiki, which is for anyone who doesn't know, is just, um, it's just a light touch. It's hands-on healing and you're just transferring energy. There's not really a lot of movement or physical manipulation with it. And so she would switch from doing Traeger, which is a lot of physical manipulation and movement into Reiki. And I would be on the table and I would just be so fed up, <laughs> just like, oh, you're doing that Reiki stuff again, aren't you? Oh, God, can't you just do the Traeger? Like, I wanted to feel it, you know, and I at that age, in, in my teen years, I was really a lot more physical than I was energetic. So that was my first experiences of Reiki, and I didn't really care for it too much, to be honest. And then, you know, life goes on and I started my own healing journey due to chronic pain that became uh, unmanageable in my life. And I turned, that's when I turned to Reiki for my own self. And I took my level one Reiki in 1995. And, you know, how I decided on Reiki was, um, I, you know, I can't even really, can't even really say it seemed like the simplest form of healing modality for me to learn in the quickest amount of time. So that was one of the pulls. And I remember first learning Reiki one and, you know, I remember standing there with my hands on somebody's body, just thinking, I don't know. I don't know if this is working. I don't know if it's doing anything. I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel anything. I wonder if they feel something. I don't know. Just do it. And that's how it began. And 
over the years it evolved and evolved until I became more attuned to the the subtleties of the energy and now fast forward all these years later over 20 years later I absolutely love Reiki as a healing modality I think it's one of the most powerful things that I've ever experienced I would not go for a massage or anything that manipulates my body physically at this point because it takes away from my experience of the energy. So just developing my own relationship with the Reiki and the energy um, has really brought a lot of gifts to my life. And one of my greatest passions now is to share that gift by teaching people and it is one of the biggest honors and privileges is to teach somebody Reiki and and then to to see them open up and start to blossom with the energy and walk into that place of being an empowered healer. Um, because that's one of the things that I love about Reiki is just that it is something that is about self-empowerment and the, the simplicity of it is what speaks to my heart. I like that you're talking about simplicity and healing and and touch and energy uh, because in some ways what I witness is that um, you know people create a lot of complexity in their healing journey that might be unnecessary right like mm -hmm. I think sometimes what I witness when I'm working with people, and we work very differently, you and I, I, I work with people on, on healing trauma in a different way. And that involves quite a bit of, of uh, counsel work or um, uh, conversation as well. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that the complexity by which people assume they require you know, all of these stories to, you know, transform themselves and need all of this complexity, mm -hmm. possibly, be, possibly because it's, it's been a hard drive up a really, really steep hill. Mm -hmm. And I think it's hard for people to, to imagine that, that being healed could be simple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That it feels like because the suffering is so awful and hard especially if you've been really traumatized you know that that the healing has to also be really hard and mm -hmm. has to be earned in this really really overt way mm -hmm. and i like that you're addressing simplicity because um however someone moves into a healing journey is their own experience However, some of those experiences are simple and are about simplicity and are about uh, holding space for something gentle to happen mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and genuine and authentic. And uh, what do you think about that? Um, you know, I've had a lot of thoughts about this uh, throughout my journey with Reiki um, because I think you know, I wasn't, I didn't always appreciate the simplicity of it, obviously, in my teen years. 
And then also when I started practicing Reiki and when I started teaching Reiki, um, there were there was a lot more conversation around what did you feel or what did you sense or what did you pick up or what kind of messages did you receive and you know i think it's natural because our our ego and our mind wants to understand and when when it's something so simple as just laying hands on in silence there's not enough um to satisfy that that inquiring questioning part about you know, what is it exactly and what is happening? Um, and so there were many times, many years where I went through, you know, this, I, I make fun of it now, you know, where I go to a, a, a Reiki practitioner or master and, and afterwards there's a great long story about, you know, oh, I saw so-and-so, I saw your ancestors come in and I saw this happen and I saw the color, you know, pink surrounding your heart. And then I saw swirling green energy and then it turned to gold. And then, you know, then I saw rainbows coming out of your ass and I go on and on and on about things like that, sort of making fun of it in a way. Um, but I did get caught up in that. I, I very much got caught up in that, you know, then there was a blue butterfly that floated around your head and that must be taking away the trauma and explaining it away, you know, and what I've learned over the years and part of my learning came in uh, healing touch, um, trainings where they said, try not to engage the mind so much after a session, because it, using the mental body afterwards is actually interfering with the energy doing what it needs to do. Um, it, it's interfering with um, the potential of the healing because we're, we're engaging our mind a little bit too much. And, and it was one of my elders in Tofino actually, um, who really taught me about the simplicity um, and this about the silence of healing. And we had a Reiki team and we would go into communities and we were working with First Nations communities. And we had a team of about four to six Reiki masters that we would all work on uh, one person at a time. We worked in groups and the way that Reiki was meant to be used in the beginning. And so after a session, you know, the person would got, get off the table and, you know, everybody would jump in with their, oh, I saw this, or, oh, I felt this, or, oh, I got this message, this. And I'd watch my elder, his name is Kamat, Levi Martin, and I'd watch him and I knew that he was the most powerful healer of us all. And I knew that he was the wisest of us all. And I also noticed at the end of a session, the most that he would say is, here's a glass of water. If you feel tired later, rest. And that's it. And I remember asking him about, you know, do you get messages and why aren't you sharing all of the messages like everybody else is? And, you know, he said, I, the messages we get often are for ourselves. And it just started to, his learning from his example is what really opened that up for me to let it be more simple and not have to explain the experience away. And, um, but I tell you some, some clients have come to me and, you know, since I've gone through this journey and come to this place and they come to me and they want more stuff after Reiki. And there's been times where I have nothing to say and they're looking to me like, well, 
like, come on, like, give me something. And, and I honestly can't even remember the messages that happened in the beginning or the experiences that happened in the beginning of the session, because I'm so in the moment that by the time the session's over, it's, it's completely gone from my mind. It's completely gone. And, and not everybody can really appreciate that because we do want to hear something. We would do want to, we do want to engage the mind. It's just part of our nature. But, um, as time goes on, like I really appreciate the silence and simplicity of it. Not to say that some of the other messages and information that comes through isn't also valuable. And, um, you know, I'd go and see a Reiki master here sometimes uh, to be treated on myself. And, you know, she had owl medicine and sh she would see all kinds of things. And I had to tell her, you know, I'd love to hear this, but could you bring this to like, send this to me in an email tomorrow? Because it's too much after the session. I just need to be with the energy and let the energy assimilate in my body. So, you know, I both have value, but I'm, I've really discovered um, the beauty of the silence and the simplicity of just letting the stepping out of the way and letting the energy do what it needs to do. Yeah, I'm really receiving that. Thank you, Mahada. That's such an important and powerful thing for people, I think, to hear and, and understand that, um, I feel often too, when people need healing, they're already at a really low threshold for saturation. You know, mm -hmm. like I know when I'm in pain, I don't have a whole lot of space to take on new ideas. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just, it has to be simple. Mm -hmm. If I'm in pain, I, I don't want a story. I don't want like, 50 things to consider because uh, I don't have the space to, to integrate it. And, mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes I feel like the, the, well, the people that I work with are not those that will hit you with earth shattering kabooms from, for an hour. You know, you, you, you might get one or two of those, but like not, not an hour full of them mm -hmm. or an hour and a half full of them because you just can't take it right like it's just too much and mm -hmm. will you will you at the end of the day remember that will you integrate it will you hold it mm -hmm. and um i also think that we are very accustomed as folk in this part of the world at this time to, of being consumptive and so I think oftentimes people's expectations when they go for healing or they go and they receive some kind of wisdom or teaching or what have you, that, that it's going to be like the Vegas buffet style of, of treatments, right? Like it's going to be so much and you can go back for all of that smoked salmon and all of that lobster and, you know, and there's this point at which you're like, Jesus, man, your body actually can't take that and yeah. can't digest it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually more interested in helping you feel complete today in this process mm -hmm. that you, that you got what you needed and, and you can digest it. And when you go home, you're not feeling a crisis of too many things. 
mm -hmm. caving in your space, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's yeah. really important teaching. It, it is, and, and you just brought up too about the, the crises that can happen after healing as well. And that that healing crises where you go for, like you say, the buffet of um, modalities and then, you know, the body and the system are so overwhelmed that it just goes into a crisis. And I used to really, in my own journey, um, think that was necessary. And that was an important part of my healing. And And now I've come to a place where I don't want that at all. And, and in fact, if any modality creates any kind of flare up, um, I often shy away from it because, and I'll, I'll often just return back to Reiki because it is so gentle and it is effective. I, I have like, I know some people have had, you know, healing crises after Reiki, but myself, it's, I've never experienced that. It's the most gentle, form of healing that I have experienced. And the other thing, um, too, about Reiki and the way in which I like to work or how I like to view my work when I'm working with a client um, is that the healer's on the table. Mm. And I think that it's really when we're wounded and we don't understand why we're wounded or how to heal, um, we need to sort of project our own inner healer onto somebody else and that's why we'll we'll go and see this person or that person and this person you know and that can be a really um a vulnerable thing to do and and as a practitioner you you need to t treat that with real respect and just what i like to do and you know um is to say like not out loud but just to myself like okay you're coming to me but i'm going to hold this you know space of being a healer until you're ready to take it on yourself but i i always view that person who comes and lies down on the massage table or the reiki table like they're the healer they're the ones that have shown up they're the ones who decide how much energy they take in or they don't take in it's not up to me i i can provide the energy um, by being that channel but it's up to them to receive it and to take it in and then it's up to them what happens with that energy in their body because the healing the energy can work for weeks after they leave right and that has nothing to do with me that has to do with um the the energy the healing energy itself and the individual. Yeah, I, I I like what you're saying a lot uh, because I think it speaks to a level of learned humility that I believe happens over the course of time when a person is practicing uh, these kinds of witchy arts. It's like, mm -hmm. I think in the beginning, we may be on fire to change the world. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I know I was like, I was mm -hmm. on fire to change the world at the beginning, because for me, I, I felt like the world was the problem, you know, like, I felt like the world crashing in on me was the real problem um, in my world. And that's what was causing me so much pain. Mm -hmm. So as a, as a wounded healer, my idea was I would be on fire for changing the 
world and then somehow that would make a difference and over time and i'm agreeing with you in a in kind of a different or i'm agreeing with your perspective in a different way it, that you come to a place where you're like well i don't need to go to battle with some big enemy you know thing out there as this you know warrior healer uh carrying this big sword but i can actually face the world with a lot of reflection a lot of humility a lot of acceptance um, and a lot of genuine desire for other people to feel uh, pleasure for other people to feel empowered mm -hmm. um, for other people for other people to really know themselves deeply mm -hmm. uh, when you when you were talking about your your grade two is it grade two you were saying that yeah. you, you asked the question who am i like i think everybody asks that question from time to time and and but do they rarely feel the response maybe rarely feel the response of who am i and when i'm working with people i want them to feel maybe not know it in words or stories but really feel the answer to that question mm -hmm. i just have to say i love this conversation um there's so many things that you just spoke um, that I'd like to respond to. Um, but that question, I'll start with the, the last part, that question, who am I? It's almost like that's the, if and when people ask that question, it's almost like that's the beginning of the journey to the answer. Because maybe I asked myself that question when I was seven or eight years old. Um, but I only really came into the awareness, like, you know, it, it's been through my healing um, and it, through my own evolution that I've come to the awareness of who I am. Um, so I, I it, it, it is a journey. I, I don't think that I would have gotten the, the answers to that question, like a bolt of lightning, like, you know, in an instant, it's, it's a journey to of discover of self discovery self discovery, um, but you also said something in there about um, you know that desire to to heal the world or change the world or you know be of service in that way and and feeling gung ho to do so and feeling like the world was the problem and. Um, I just wanted to speak to that because I, I I also had that same, you know, feeling and and in fact when I <laughs> when I was a young child I was also told that from my parents you know that that I was here to help change the world in some way and and it was a little bit of a heavy to um, to to carry as an eight year old you know um, but that's always been in my consciousness and. And there, there is a problem with the world. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of woundedness in our world. There's a lot of trauma in our world. Um, and there, there are a lot of problems in the world. Um, but, you know, in order to, through my journey, um, I have come to, to know that the way that you change the world or the way that you heal the world is by healing yourself. And that we only have power over ourselves, really. And when we heal ourselves or we make a change in ourselves, it ripples out. It ripples out to our family, to our communities, to our friends. Um, 
it shifts the world one little bit by one little bit, um, one individual at a time. And I, I think that's where the, the empowerment is. And that when I think about being, you know, the wounded healer and a spiritual warrior, um, the battle isn't anymore. It's not about, you know, going out there with a sword, as you say, you know, that that's like, old paradigm warrior and the new paradigm warrior is really about um you know finding that balance um within um and we might have battles you know or demons we hold in inside of ourselves that we need to to conquer like the what needs to be conquered is not outside of ourselves but it's it's something that's held deep within whether it's from our childhood trauma or if it's from a past life but it the healing it it happens within and that that battle so to speak is something that that is that is fought within um and it it leads for me anyway to you know such deep love and such deep forgiveness and compassion uh, appreciation and compassion yeah um yeah thank you for all of that reflection that's really powerful and um i feel like one of the things that that my healing journey has taught me is a greater level of compassion for the struggle that other people are in um that i have a whole lot more patience than i ever did for it doesn't mean i you know, I don't suffer fools for sure, but like I have a whole lot of patience for, for how people walk in the world because, you know, everyone has some level of personal struggle. And what I wanted to, to ask you about was um, how you feel about the relationship between um, trauma and uh, some of the things that we experience when we're younger, especially as children, um, and how that impacts us creatively. Um, because you're also an artist and a creative and a writer and um, your healing journey has possibly brought a lot of your understanding of that bridge, that relationship between trauma, healing and creativity to light. Mm hmm. It's such a great question, Dawn. Um, I've been contemplating this uh, since you texted me a few days ago, um, saying you wanted to talk about healing and creativity. And the more that I contemplate it, the more I see how interconnected they really are. Um, I mean, my, my personal journey, you know, when I started my healing journey, I was still very much in the left brain. Like in school, I loved science and math because I, I knew what was right and wrong. And I, I, I could, you know, my mind could figure out, you know, through formulas or equations, you know, figure out the right answer. And I was really, um, you know, really attached to to um to being right to getting the right answer to doing it right you know um 
And I wouldn't say that I was an artist or a creative person back then when I started my healing journey. I also wouldn't have said that I had been traumatized when I started my healing journey. And I'm talking, this is over the last 25 years. And, and so through my healing journey, and it's been through, um, you know, depression, anxiety, physical pain that has, you know, really caused me to, to keep digging and digging and digging, you know, to see what's there, to, to see the shadows inside. And, you know, through the process, you know, writing has been a really powerful healing tool. I think it was one of my first healing tools that I, I started with, you know, was the artist's way and the morning pages, writing, sitting down and, and writing, you know, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What are my insights? Um, what are my desires? Um, and that, that was just the beginning was a daily writing practice. And my healing journey then evolved also, and, and my creative journey also evolved into singing. And I was somebody who I, you know, was very shy of my voice. I, I would say, oh, I have a terrible voice. I can't sing. I can't sing. No, I can't sing. But I would love to sing. And so, you know, maybe I was a closet singer. I sang, you know, when nobody else was home or when no one could hear me. When I knew no one could hear me, then I would sing. And so it was just, you know, going into choirs and taking singing lessons and really exploring my voice and opening that up and that I found a whole new, completely, like a complete new healing tool that I had for myself and, and toning and chanting and singing became, um, just, you know, one of my greatest passions and through the use of my voice what happened over years is that my throat chakra started to open and started to open and started to open. And, and what I started to see were some of the wounds and some of the traumas and some of the secrets that I had kept inside as a child. And so that started to come up more to the surface. And, you know, I, I guess I found that a lot of the healing modalities that I've chosen, you know, they, they can, they can bring trauma to the surface, but as long as I would stay with those healing modalities and those practices, those modalities would all also help see me through to a whole nother place. Um, it would see me through the traumas, through the pain, through the fear, through the shadows. And so the voice and singing have been really, really important to me. And now fast forward all this time, as I continue with my evolution, um, yeah, now I, I, I would say that I am a creative person. I'm, I'm presently giving birth to the, um, visual artist within myself. Cause that was another, you know, wound as a child or as a young person, you know, feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm not a good arter. I'm not good at art. You know, I don't have a good voice. I'm not good at art. And these are all things too, where, um, that are developed in the right side of the brain. So through my healing journey, I've switched over from my left linear brain into my, my right creative brain. And like who I am now is very different than who I was 25 years ago, the beginning of my healing journey. Um, 
And, you know, I, I don't know, like I could just, I, I could talk for a long time, I think, about the relationship between healing and creativity. It, it's like the healing that I needed, um, that my body was screaming at me for, led me into a creative process. And, and it was creative practices that helped me heal my body. And I see now sometimes like, you know, sometimes pain, like, yeah, we have trauma from childhood or past lives or whatnot, but sometimes that trauma is really about being shut down. And when my, I'll just talk about my own journey. When my body broke down, when I was 24, um, you know, as I reflect on it now, it, you know, it was really a call from spirit. It was something wanting to be expressed through me that I was not allowing because I, I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with the arts because there wasn't any right or wrong. There wasn't any formula. Um, you know, it, it's, it's too, it's, it's too wide open. Like what? You can just paint whatever you want. You can create whatever you want. It, it was too wide open. Um, And I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, am I babbling now? I'm just like, <laughs> I could keep no, talking. No, I think forever. you're articulate. I think you're articulating something really important. I mean, I actually could uh, express to you that, you know, as a performance artist, you know, somebody who's used to expressing myself visually and very vulnerably, like it's really a vulnerable thing to dance. Mm -hmm. Um, because you're, you know, people say, oh, they won't know if you screw up. People know when you screw up. Uh, <laughs> because it's actually like the rigidity is in your body and it's on your face. Like it, mm -hmm. it's right there. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and also other dancers around you, if you're in a show, are reacting like, I didn't expect you to do that. So, I mean, you know, it's very vulnerable to dance. But, um, for me to be able to concisely translate my thoughts into a bridge of um, succinct and distilled communication so that when people were connecting into what I was saying at all, it sounded heartfelt, like it was creative, like it was coming from that same space as my dance did but was also in words that they could easily grasp and in in ways that were somewhat linear um because i think i am very right-brained um the whole left side of my body is just like very over developed <laughs> um like the muscles at so forth are just really overdeveloped um, so I know I, I use my, my right brain a lot, um, and to be analytical and to, to look at things in a, in a linear way is another skill set, right? Like, I think it's so interesting how we have both of these experiences and they can, and they create a center, a centering that is really soulful. Like, like I really appreciate 
my ability to be as expansive as literally all get out. Mm. Like, it's so funny. Friends of mine have said, I have a really good friend who used to come to the jungle with me every year. And she mm. said, Don, you're a real big thinker. And I never really think about myself as a big thinker, but I guess I am, you know, like she said, you're a big picture person, you know, like you're, you, the, the vision is huge. It's really, really big. Mm. And I, I have to be mindful sometimes that that doesn't always translate itself so easily um, in, into potentiated words. And <clears throat> so, so my work has been in some ways the other, the other side of the brain, less linear, less uh, or, le or more linear, more so linear, less expansive, um, so that I can, I can at least create some comprehensive connection with people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so really love what you're saying about that. Like, I, I definitely appreciate what you're saying about that, being able to expand into that journey of using up all, like being in the big space of your, of your right brain. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a big place. Like, I love what you're saying about the expansiveness, you know, I don't think I was comfortable in that place um, before, but now I love the expansiveness um, of spirit, of consciousness. And and I, you know, many people have, have good friends have told me sometimes, you know, um, like, oh, you're you're just so out there. And I, I say, thank you. <laughs> that's you know, hilarious yeah thank you i yeah i and and often when i've taught um toning and and you know how to use the voice as a healing modality i i would say like using your voice with tones and overtones is like just a way to um you know just jump into that great expansiveness i'd say this is like you know the the toning and your voice is like your magic carpet and once you start like you can take off and go wherever you want to go and it's such a beautiful place for me now like i, I love the expansiveness of consciousness i love that <laughs> The Witch's Diagnostic will return in just a moment. The Wildwood Priestess Initiation, which is a teaching circle specific to women-identified humans, is beginning again in Milk Weekend, January 2022. That's the 28th, 29th, and 30th of January this upcoming year. If you're interested in attending in person or via Zoom, please email wildwoodpriestess at gmail.com. I love hearing you share about the voice and that expansiveness. And I don't know if you can relate to this. When I was younger, um, like I have, a, I have, I used to have struggle with singing small. Like I could sing really big. And when I would sing really big, I would just like belt it, you know? Like I had a, I had a voice for musical theater, but not so much like, not so much like a quartet or, a small mm -hmm. choir um and also like before you develop any sort of uh content like like connection to music in a linear way where there's where there's 
you know, connection between um, the mathematics of music and, and the tones. Um, like before I had any sort of training in music, uh, I could, I would sing big and I didn't understand that there was, that that might not be so connected to pleasure for people, you know, like, um, and I know that's fine. I do. I get, I get that. Uh, but the people in my world, like the grownups in my world would always be like, I think you just need to like mouth the words, you know, if I was in a choir, like, like stand in the back and mouth the words instead of singing big. And I used to feel so upset about it, you know, like I'd just be, I would feel so silenced and unseen and, and, you know, the, the impact is really harsh on my, on my little being. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that. I get that it wasn't personal. I get that they were trying to get a song heard and that was difficult beyond, you know, my big, my big, big, big belting voice in the mm-hmm. choir. And I, I didn't actually know how to like measure myself with other people, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is, I think a skill set. but, um, you know, at the time I used to really feel hurt by that, that I'd be like, nobody wants to hear my voice or I, I can't sing very well. Yeah. And um, that impacted me a lot. Um, what, how do you feel about when people are silenced or when people are, you know, told that they can't sing? Well, um, I mean, what you just um, shared and thank you for sharing that is, is a perfect example of what I'd call musical woundedness. And in my journey, uh, because, you know, discovering, like I was closed off at my throat. I had thought I had a terrible voice. Um, and, and overcoming that was such a great joy in finding my voice and using it that I like to share that and teach that to, to others, you know. And I have to say that I don't think that I've come across anybody who hasn't been musically wounded at some point in their life. And what it does is, yeah, it makes you feel terrible about yourself. It makes you feel terrible about how you sound. And, and that is, that is huge. Like to me, uh, healing that is a really important aspect of healing ourselves is healing our voice. Um, I don't know if you remember, you know, this is going to date us here, Dawn, but, um, <laughs> you know, you know, when the first answering machines came? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Don't leave me hanging here, girl. Um, do, I don't know if you experienced this, but myself and many other people I knew didn't, didn't want to leave a message because they didn't like the sound of their own voice. I don't know if you experienced that or had have ever heard of that, but I remember specifically when those answering machines came out, people did not like to leave messages. I did not like to leave messages. I I was afraid of how I would sound, um, and I for me, I don't remember specifically a time of being told to mouth the words inquire i just naturally would mouth the words inquire because i was so afraid of how i sounded but i think those um 
that story that you shared is a common story and you know like it makes me want to speak to that little girl who sang with such a big big voice you know like how much joy how much liberation did you have when you were expressing in that way and you know maybe you were just really built for a gospel choir where that is is welcomed oh my god totally i mean i i i had in lots of ways have wished that i had had that as an option when i was growing up because you're not the first person to to relay that to me. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until I got I started to study some musical theater where I was like, oh, th these are my people like this. This is where this is good. The projection mm -hmm. is good. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until I had some sort of linear. I think that my uh, um, particular the struggle is struggle isn't the word, but the journey that I've had with um, walking in this world is that I, I the linear stuff is really uh, interesting for me. I start to play with it like it's like it's a toy because I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting structure, um, but. I, I don't know that that's the way I didn't know, I guess that's the way other people see reality until I was a lot older, you know, where I was like, oh, people think that's true. They think that stuff is true. Mm -hmm. um, and they rely on it to be mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. So I didn't understand until I started to study the mathematics of music. So the theory of music and the way in which music is generally shared. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I studied later, studied uh, more uh, folk dancing, where I was starting to study, oh, this is the relationship between rhythm and expression mm -hmm. or music and expression. Like I didn't actually have a true understanding of it in a way that um, was, that married linear experiences with expansive experiences. So to me, um that that was a really excellent um way of of bringing it together and had i had a gospel choir that might have come to me a whole lot more quickly i don't know mm -hmm. um but i do i do know that musical theater really did help me um create space for my voice mm -hmm. and i actually really love my voice now i i've been told I've been told by a lot of people that they they dig it and I'm cool with it now. I mean, I'm here sharing my voice with literally thousands of people right now with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's that's something that I never would have dreamed of before, really. Yeah. The idea of sharing my voice th this expansively. And mm -hmm. um, I'm one, I wonder sometimes about woundedness as it as it is this this vocal woundedness that you were talking about or musical woundedness that you were talking about as being kind of intergenerational trauma around being female as well like i i noticed that um the message that i grew up with was that that assigned female at birth those people should be very like demure mm -hmm. Um, and very soft-spoken and mm. very soprano. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Yes. And, 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 and never like some of the more negative things that I've heard about female voices are like, um, never shrill, never, um, never too deep or mm -hmm. too masculine, um, never too resounding, never in a way of leaving an impression. Like that's mm -hmm. the feeling I got about what my voice should be like, that it should never really leave that kind of impression on people where, you know, they were uncomfortable. Yeah. And is and, it, 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 sorry, I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> I want to jump in here. It's so yeah, jump in. It's so interesting to me what you're saying for so many different reasons. Um, and, and what's coming is, you know, like our voice is the expression of who we are. That the sound of us, that is the essence of who we are. And, you know, to be told that you have to sound this way, or you have to be quiet, or, you know, children are meant to be seen, not heard, no shrills, as you said, like, it's denying who you are and the and the natural expression of who you are. And, and even in, in studying music, and the mathematics of music. And this is part of why I, I always kind of got a little bit like, if I had to sing a song, what if I sing out of tune? What if I hit the wrong note? And the truth is about that scale that we we know, that A440 scale that most songs are written on, it's actually unnatural to our, our authentic and organic voice. We have to we have to change our voice, our true sound. We have to change and manipulate our true sound to, uh, to meet the sounds that come from a piano or a guitar. Our true voice, or maybe a little like a third of a pitch down or above or a half, like the true sounds, our true voice doesn't come in A440. So it, you know, it, all of this, you know, the music, musical woundedness, it, it's really, and it, it speaks to a lot of trauma about like suppressing who you are, changing mm -hmm. how you sound to meet what is acceptable by, by whom the, the masses or by, you know, it, it's the same thing with what is beautiful, you know, like there's so many different expressions of beauty and yet in our society, and this is part of, you know, one of the woundedness in our society is that, you know, you have to be like this in order to be beautiful, or you have to sound like this in order for your sound to be beautiful. And it's completely false. So we grow up with, with these false contexts and learning that we're not okay. Yeah, right. We're not okay, right? Like you, that that's i think linear taken to the max like taken into a space of real toxicity mm -hmm. and like what you're saying rings so true around not looking the part um because i never i don't think i've ever looked like anybody's ideal part um of anything not that not that i don't i love the way that i look i'm fine with it i'm you know I make peace with all of it and, and absolutely adore a lot of it. 
Um, what I don't adore, it doesn't matter to me that, that much. But mm -hmm. um, my the fact that I would reflect that I could not or should not adore parts of me because they were outside of an ideal range. Um, like for example, I have really broad shoulders uh, for <laughs> what would be considered a, a normal sized girl um, that even when I was uh, leaner, I have these broad shoulders that of course are structural. You can't really do much with the broadness of your shoulders if that's what your bones are doing. <laughs> um, and, and like, I would, I would be so lean in certain parts of my life. And as a dancer, I tried to be very lean because that was the, the acceptable norm. I, I couldn't outrun those shoulders. I couldn't out diet them. I couldn't out, you know, <laughs> eating disorder them. I couldn't, and I couldn't also accept them because to me, they were an obstacle to acceptance and what I'm seeing now, which is so freaking cool. So when we talk about healing, healing, what I see in women is this is sort of like, maybe that's my superpower. Mm -hmm. Like maybe actually, maybe instead of it being a problem, that's actually my superpower. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it until a lot later in my life where I was like, do you know what I can do? I can stand on my freaking hands for a really long period of time. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and maybe that's not somebody's like ideal of something they can do but that's something I can do and that's I can do that because I because I have broad shoulders yeah it's your special skill it's a special skill right like when when I can when I can move in that way so I've been able to express myself physically in lots of ways that that are restricted from other people's lives mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and because they're not structurally built to do so right mm -hmm. so my my feeling is that instead of us kind of measuring everyone in this linear way like there's a right way to be mm -hmm. the heal the healing can be in like wow how you're different and how you're uniquely how you are uniquely qualified as a human being mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so who am I coming back to that question, how you are uniquely qualified as a human being mm -hmm. is a hundred percent the right thing. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. And <laughs> yeah. So if, if that's a hundred percent, the right thing, what do we have to adjust around our attitudes and our worlds in order to make that a, a, a broader truth for ourselves or a broader statement great question um, yeah um it's such a good question i i think shifting our perceptions of what's right and wrong or in fact letting go of the right and wrong and shifting our perceptions of what is beauty or what sounds good and and like for me part of the healing is really um like we, we touched on this earlier about coming into a place of acceptance and self-empowerment. And so if we can fully accept ourselves, we become more self-empowered. We stop, we stop comparing ourselves to other people. If we feel confident in ourselves or how we sound, we don't have to put ourselves down because we don't meet those acceptable norms, you know, that are dictated to us by the outside. You know, we, we are, 
um, coming into ourselves and saying, hey, this is who I am. Like I've got broad shoulders and I can stand on my head and hey, this is me. I have a powerful voice. I, I don't sing, you know, high C's, but I can rock a low, low G, you know, like um, and really coming into a place of being okay with our seemingly imperfections um like even when you were talking about your dance performances and people can tell when you make a mistake you know can we can we do that can we just forgive ourselves um do we have to be perfect can it be perfectly imperfect can we make a mistake in a dance routine can we hit a wrong note and just sing through it and and still have a beautiful experience this idea of perfectionism and um which is pretty much unattainable really um but just letting that go to to accept what is and and be empowered and compassionate for yourself and loving to yourself that this is who i am this is how i sound this is what i look like these are my strengths these are my weaknesses and i'm okay and because i'm okay with that then i'm curious about you like who are you what are what are your strengths and weaknesses what are your quirks what are your things that are outside of the box um and in that way we we become more supportive of each other as opposed to you know kind of comparing and competing with one another yeah, yeah I, I i completely feel you in that and and i agree you know i think that uh, that old trope of like, uh, comparison is the thief of joy is, is so true, you know, that, uh, the moment that we start going, wow, you know, Miss Mahata has the most amazing forehead I've ever seen in my life. And I really wish my forehead was like your forehead <laughs> and then spending my entire life savings trying to create that when my forehead was just fine as my forehead mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. you have you have many other body parts that are amazing i just didn't want to objectify <laughs> you too much um because other people might think that i'm hitting on you then but i you know <laughs> but uh yeah so you know yeah my my feeling is that, you know, that instead of being comparative, we start looking at these things as superpowers. Like what an amazing thing that we are these spirits in form and exactly. that the, the body is, the body is choosing to express itself this way. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking is that it, like, essentially it comes down to the realization that we are spirit in a human form and, and spirits, you know, the creator, great, you know, God, goddess is expressing itself through us. And so to, mm. to deny ourselves or, or think, you know, my forehead's not as nice as your forehead or, or whatever it is, um, is in a way to deny the beauty of spirit, the expression of spirit. And, and to me, you know, going back to what we're talking about healing and creativity, you know, that's a, a really big part of it is allowing spirit to come through. When I channel Reiki, it's allowing that spiritual energy to come through. It's being a channel 
um, and then letting it be expressed or assimilated with the client. And in creating and being artistic, it's the same thing. It's allowing spirit to come through and express through us. And, and you know, really what it is, 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 um, is letting go of the attachment to the ego. Um, and not to say that ego is bad. It's, it's a good thing. We all have one. We all need one. Um, but to let the ego take, you know, I like to say the back seat of the bus as opposed to driving the bus and then letting spirit come through and honoring and appreciating its expression through our own self. And so we become our own, like we become vehicles for the expression of spirit in whatever it is that we do, whether it's healing or singing a song or painting a painting or creating a podcast or whatever it is, it's that expression of spirit. And so if we can connect to that for ourselves and honor that in ourselves, then we start to honor that in everybody. And why in the world would spirit want to express itself over and over again in the exact same way? We're not supposed to sound the same. We're not supposed to look the same. It, you know, look at the garden. It'd be boring if they were all red roses. Indeed, right? I mean, I, I love me a red rose, but I also like all kinds. I like nasturtiums. I like, you know, I like I dandelions. Like <laughs> I like dandelions too. I like brown eyed Susans. Um, yeah, I like all those flowers, all those, all those plants. I also like, you know, I also like bushy things and, and grasses. And yeah, me too. And um, you know, it's so interesting too, because I've I've written on this like oh years and years ago about how this is really what we're talking about with the comparisons and whatnot um, and the acceptable norms is is really a human experience because you know the dandelion doesn't go oh I wish I was a rose you know like it, it just doesn't the the calendula flower doesn't go oh I wish that I was. I wish that I was a bush. I want to really want to be lavender instead of calendula. Like nature doesn't do that. And so like for me, healing and creativity is also connected deeply to nature and learning from her wisdoms. Cause I'm telling you the garden does, they don't, don't compete, nor do they feel jealous or, or, or there are no acceptable norms, <laughs> you know, in the garden, in nature. Right. Because those plants are all medicinal as well right like coming back to seeing the broad shoulders as the superpower like that all these plants are medicinal for like they take those forms because they are medicinal in that way mm -hmm. and and uh like i think about how the dandelion the the flowers help to uh help us to um feel relief from things like uh, like congestion and and when we're feeling um depressed it's a good remedy for depression mm -hmm. because if you look at a freaking dandelion right like they're these bright hopeful fluffy <laughs> um you know when you're little and the dandelion has turned into like a fluff ball and mm -hmm. like i remember being so little and just like blowing those fluff balls and it being such a place of pleasure or like being in a field of fluff balls and of course you can't help but like run through them and make all the fluff go everywhere <laughs> and 
And like, I think about, I saw a friend of mine, her, her two-year-old was doing that and she had like such joy. So I think about dandelions and their medicine. Yeah. And I like, if it, if it didn't show up like that, would it be that medicine? Probably not. And mm -hmm. do we need that medicine? Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. So I think we're all in that way, right? Like we're showing up in that way so that we're showing up in the, we are, we are recognizable medicine. Yeah. In the yeah. way that we are. Yeah. And in lots of ways, I feel like that's a lot of life. Like we get attraction towards the thing that is medicinal for us. Mm -hmm. Attra attraction towards the places in life that are medicinal for us. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. uh, towards the friendships, like, uh, I'll just remind you of how we found each other again. Um, a number of years ago, uh, I was sitting sitting in in um, in a beautiful Indian restaurant in in Penticton, BC. And in you walk after I hadn't seen you for twenty years, right? Yep, yep. Or and in you walked, and you looked exactly the same, pretty much. <laughs> um, and I looked at you, and I was like, "Are you?" Are you effing kidding me? Like I, because I had, I had really thought about you so often from the time that we had spent uh, in that little apartment in Marple, <laughs> in Cooper. <laughs> um, and, and to, to now I wondered what had happened to you, where you were and what you were experiencing in life. And here you walked in and, and so we get attracted, I think, towards the people, the places, and the things that are medicinal for us. Oh, and, indeed. indeed. And that we can't, we can't even make that up, can we? Like, we can't even try and think about it. No, and, and you know, that's the beauty of it, Dawn, too, is, is like, I, I was reflecting on that earlier today, actually, when we reconnected that day. Um, because, you know, part of my journey, whether it's through being creative or healing, it's really about letting letting me step aside and allowing spirit to come through to lead me and guide me and teach me and express through me. And I was thinking about that day that we reconnected because me in my mind, we were on our way somewhere else. Mm. You know, and I, I remember specifically because I wasn't um, familiar with the area and I was just looking for a place for, to eat lunch. And, and I thought, I'm going to walk to that count, that corner and I'm going to turn right. That's what I'm doing. I've decided that's where I'm going. When I got to the corner, I found myself being pulled to the left. And there was almost like this little argument inside of me between, you know, spirit saying, come just sort of gently nudging me left when... Me and my brain and my egoic mind was like, no, but I'm going right. I've already decided I'm turning right at this corner. And no spirit just gently judged me. Uh, I mean, nudged me a, a different way and, and led me to that restaurant where I walked in and then and then saw you. And it was so interesting because I you have I had often thought of you over the years and I had just thought of you maybe the day or two days before that. And then when we sat down to catch up, it was so interesting because as you said before, like we we met and have known each other since before our journeys with with healing and and you know being medicine people and and there we were, you know, like oh what are you doing? Oh I'm doing this. Yeah me too. Oh I'm I, this is how I work. Oh yeah I work like this too. And there was so many things that were in alignment. 
you know, and it, and it was the medicine that we both needed. Um, but it's not the medicine that I, I, I chose. It was allowing spirit to guide me that way, to lead me, Hey, there's somebody over here that you need to connect with. And, and that's what I love the beauty of those magical moments. And, um, yeah, I, and I really, I also, I just wanted to speak on that when you're talking about the, the garden and how every flower is medicine. And that's how I feel about people too. We're all medicine. All of us are medicine. The words that we speak are medicine. Um, our connections are medicine. Our journeys and our knowledge are medicine. And then when we share them with one another or come together, like, like how we are right now in this podcast, um, it's, you know, that that's us taking on the world girlfriend oh yeah and i have so much pleasure in knowing that you are accompanying me and that i'm accompanying you on the journey like i i feel so well met uh, by you and your and your being and who you are in the world i you know i think of you as this dear dear friend and this dear dear soul sister um and I, I'm so grateful for our reconnection uh, because that would have continued to be an open question in my consciousness, whatever happened to her. Um, and uh, and I'm, I'm so grateful that for the reconnection and for all that has come from that. Um, my, and my, my dear sons think of you so fondly, like, a, like an auntie um, as well. And uh, I wanted to leave, leave some space here for you to enlighten us as to where we can find you and what you are giving as a service at this time or into the world and what you're creating and sharing. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for that. Um, and, and thank you for this opportunity to, to talk with you today. Um, I'm at an interesting place in my journey right now where, um, there seems to be another going through another evolution. Uh, as I said, like giving birth to that visual artist. And so presently, um, I'm, I'm working on a set of Oracle cards actually, and it's based on the spiritual medicine that resides in specific geographical locations. And so I'm connecting with the spirit of uh, different elements of and aspects of nature, different archetypes, different animals and um, journeying to those med medicinal spirits and and bringing their medicine forward. And this is my focus right now. And I've been taking some time away from giving sessions, um, I, I'm not wanting to work with clients in the same way, in that I, I really want to, uh, well, one, finish this set of Oracle cards to, to and let that be um, part of my service to the world. Um, and my other passion is really teaching people. Like, I don't think I'll ever stop teaching Reiki. Uh, I don't think I'll ever stop doing workshops. I'm, I'm, you know, winter solstice is coming up soon. And between winter solstice and in bulk, 
I, in the last few years, I go what I call into the creative cave with the bear. And so I, I don't check my emails very much and I don't check my phone very much. And I really allow myself that time um, to assimilate the year and do some healing and um, dreaming and creating. So that's where I'm, I'm headed right now. Um, but I'll be working on my cards during that time. And the cards, these particular set of cards are the first geographical location that I'm working with is Tofino, which is uh, a place that I lived for almost 20 years. And it's a place that's just oozing medicine and oozing spirit everywhere. And it's just magic is there everywhere. So just tapping into that and bringing that forward. Um, you know, I'd like to say, oh, yeah, I've got a Facebook page where I have, you know, you could check out my website. But, you know, my website is yet to be created. And I have not been a huge fan of social media. I do, however, have a YouTube channel. So you can find me on YouTube. Uh, my YouTube channel is called Mahata Thomas Healing Arts. You can also find me on LinkedIn. And... Besides that, um, I mean, e I'm, I'm old fashioned, right? So just an old fashioned email. Anybody who emails me, I will respond to you. If you are listening to this and have questions about what I do or how I work in the world or want to connect in any way, um, sending me an email is, is really the best way. Um, I don't know if I should just give my email over the podcast or if you would have it written down uh when you um i'll, I'll put it uh in connection to the the um, podcast information mm -hmm. um so people can look that up uh just underneath the posting for the podcast okay um, but it, anything that you want to share here is fine too okay well yeah we'll just we'll post it um so that people can see and that's the best way but if you want to look at some of the medicine that i have shared out there the youtube channel is a good way and um, i've shared different sound meditations uh, some songs and whatnot through the youtube channel and yeah my main focus right now are this set of oracle cards i'm really excited about that i'm excited to um, sort of shift my focus in how i am of service and you know, start to even do readings um, for people. So that's something that I'm beginning to do. I'm just at the beginning. The cards aren't finished, but Spirit has told me that I need to start working with the cards. And I'm learning that this creative project that I began so many years ago um, is starting to have a life force of its own. And so it's teaching me and guiding me. And so I'm doing my best to show up and follow <laughs> and to meet it. Well, I have no doubt of that, and I can't wait to see them. And um, Mahara, I'm so grateful for your insights and your sharing of your journey here and for this conversation. And I know we could probably talk for hours, and mm -hmm. uh, maybe we'll have to save it for another time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so much love to you and and your fella and uh, and we'll we'll talk to you next time. Okay, thank you so much, Don. Really, an honor and privilege and joy to be here with you. Yes, it has been.
Mm -hmm. um, so, so uh, goodbye till next time. Okay, goodbye till next time. Thank you for listening this week to The Witch's Diagnostic. If you enjoyed our episode and you'd like to keep these conversations going, please consider sponsoring The Witch's Diagnostic Podcast on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash The Witch's Diagnostic. You can subscribe for as little as $5 a month and assist our journey into presenting these vital conversations. Thanks for tuning in.